Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. I have two guests this week. First, Bill Carroll, a scuba diving instructor and marketing guy, and Emily Hafley, a salon owner and part-time model. How's it going, you guys? Fantastic, Brett. Great. Happy to be here. Yeah. So let's we're, we're going to start talking about the two of you individually and quickly bring it together to why you're both on the same podcast. Uh, so starting with, we'll say, Emily. Okay. Where, where, where do you come from uh, in, in more recent history? What is your kind of line of work? Um, I've been a hairstylist for close to 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I grew up in a small town in Indiana called Santa Claus. And my, my grandmother was a hairstylist, so I grew up in her, in her salon. Santa Claus, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And this would have been the 90s? Right. So what kind of hairstyles were you cutting growing up in Santa Claus? Well, hmm, I don't know. I mean, things have definitely changed. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, buzz cuts on guys. I mean, skater cuts. Thing. The shaved side uh, on the guys. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. Rachel. Did you do the Rachel for the women? Oh wow! Yeah, you're on top of things. Totally. I'm from yeah. the '90s. Wow. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Talk about some depth, Brett. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, and these days you are actually running a salon, right? Correct. Yeah. And where's, yeah. where's that? Um, in North Hollywood, California. From Santa Claus to Hollywood. Exactly. That should be the title of a book right there. You know, I'm working on it. I have a book in the, in the makes. Small city kid with big city dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And uh, is there anything else you want to add to this story? Well, I'd like to add a little to the story. I think probably what got Emily into modeling is she's got kind of a long history of pageant. Um, what, what do you, how, what would you call that? Pageant? Yeah, beauty pageants. Yeah, beauty pageants. Mm -hmm. So that was her introduction to, to modeling. Did that start in Santa Claus as well? It sure did. It uh, sure did. And so I, I don't know how pageantry works, but I think it starts at like a local competition and then you move up, right? Exactly. And, That's and, what, what uh, put me through beauty school. I won so many um, crowns, titles that I won scholarships and that's how I went to beauty school. That's a good story right there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was that much money in I suppose that's why it's so competitive, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Never thought about it. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So I just had to add that. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Moving on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then, Bill. Let's see what I know of you. It goes all the way back to the Navy, but. Uh, I guess you did a stint in corporate America. Let's start there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess it worked out in, in a lot of ways because I, I initially, uh, out of high school, I went into the Navy. So I ended up 
accidentally ended up in the Navy and uh, accidentally ended up as a diver in the Navy. I don't think it was ever on my radar screen prior to, um, to it happening. So I, I was actually, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I was, I was in my grandmother's car one day and I just graduated high school and she looked over at me and she said, Billy, you know, your cousin Daryl joined the Navy. <laughs> Silent, you know, pregnant pause. And so the next thing I knew I'd gone down to check it out and, um, I ended up in the Navy. They offered me a couple of jobs. One of the jobs, the guy was um, was in camo, and in the you know there was clearly some sort of it looked cool from the little plastic card that the recruiter <laughs> stuck in front of me. So I uh, I was like, I'll do that. And so I ended up uh, in the Navy as an explosive ordnance disposal diver and naval parachutist. And wow. Yep. Yep. I did that, did that for a couple of, you know, I did that for three years and then got out and I started teaching scuba diving. It was just kind of a natural transition. Um, there wasn't a lot of work for people to blow things up. So at least that I could see. And so I, I got, I went through the, um, Patty's, I, I went to, Patty is an organization. It's called the Professional Association of Diving Instructors. So I got certified as, as an instructor through Patty, and I started teaching. And then eventually, one of my students hired me. Um, one of the great things about being a scuba diving instructor is you learn how to um, get people from one place to another and do things. You, you you basically learn on some level how to be a leader, and um, that can be appealing to some of your students who are looking for employees. So I got hired and went into corporate America and eventually got a job in, in technology. Okay. And then, so, and was yeah. that marketing? Not at all. I started off in customer relationship management. I worked with a piece of software called Goldmine. I was a value added reseller and this was back in the days when, um, we really hadn't even gotten into, into SQL as a backend for these databases. So we were working in DBase and all this. And I started to get techier and techier as the products got more sophisticated. And I originally got into just Linux and Microsoft SQL and, and, um, and, uh, and different variants of SQL Server, and then into open source. And that just kind of happened over time. But the technology background has really, really served me well as I've started to get into what I do today, which is taking pictures and shooting video and then um, editing. So all of the time that I spent getting familiar with the technology side has really, really helped me as I've begun to edit video, quite frankly. So I, I see a lot of photos of your uh, students on Instagram. Right. And uh, w when did you first pick up the camera? Well, I was, I was living in Colorado up until about two years ago. And I was just sort of burned out on 
technology. And I, I, I knew I needed something different. And I'd been teaching scuba diving in Colorado. I know it sounds strange, but it's, <laughs> scuba diving is a big thing in Colorado. And um, <clears throat> I noticed that when I was teaching, I was, I was at, at the end of each day, I just felt like I was somehow becoming a better person. I know that sounds kind of vague, but looking back on it, what I realized was I was starting to focus on other people rather than just myself. And that on almost a daily basis was just helping me evolve. And I didn't know exactly what it was at the time, but I knew that, that, um, teaching scuba diving was what I needed to do more full time. I just, I, I felt like it was really good for where I needed to go just as a person. And, uh, that eventually led to coming out to Laguna Beach, where my parents live, my my father and my stepmother, and I started teaching um, scuba diving full time out in California. And as as I began to teach, I I took my GoPro with me, uh, pretty much on every single dive. So I was shooting video and shooting pictures. And I initially thought I was going to document kind of my return to teaching scuba diving. But that that changed pretty quickly because not even I found that very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what I noticed was I I found my students really interesting and I found their stories interesting. And every scuba class ends up being basically um, kind of like an Odyssean journey and it's in and of its own, you know, right. And. Uh, you, you have somebody comes in, they want to learn how to scuba dive and, you know, invariably through that process, they're changed. Sure. And as an instructor, you get to help them through that. And it can be scary for them at times, intimidating at times. It's a big leap. And yeah, so I started taking more video and pictures of my students and I realized that's where the story was. Well, and the story, the story became more important to you, I think. It did. At what point did you go from documenting to actually telling a story? I don't know. I mean, I think I'm still, I'm still in that process. And that's really how we ended up with Emily and Bill. (laughs) Because as I continued to teach, one of the things that came out for me was was just how, you know, deeply I care about the planet and ocean conservation projects started to pop up and I got myself more and more involved in these ocean conservation projects. And, um, with the ocean, uh, conservation projects, it became really clear to me that I can go out for anybody who doesn't know what ocean conservation really ends up it could mean a lot of things. But at the end of the day, for somebody like me, it means a cleaner ocean. So keeping trash from entering the ocean, getting trash out of the ocean, protecting what we have. And um, so as I got more into ocean conservation and we started working on projects, getting for instance, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten divers together to go out and clean trash out of um, out of an area. 
I realized that that was effective, but it wasn't as effective as it could be. And what I needed to do was actually tell the story and share that story so that we could inspire other people to do the same thing. And I realized I needed to learn how to tell a story. I realized I didn't know how to tell a story. So, okay, before I ask the next next question, I, Emily, do you want to add to Bill's story the way he jumped into yours? Oh, I did. No, no. Oh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> you don't want to jump in? No. <laughs> Turn so, about uh, a spirit. <laughs> when did uh, the hairstylist and the scuba diving instructor meet? So we met almost four years ago at a program called Landmark. Have you heard of that by chance? I don't think so. Okay, so it's a course on life, basically, kind of self-help in a way. Right. Yeah. Anything you want to add on that? Well, it's based on us, and it's based on a program that came out of the '70s by Werner Erhard um, called Est, and then it turned into Landmark over the years. And there's a lot of information out there about it, uh, but ultimately, that that's where we met. We were both mm -hmm. kind of at a place in our life where we felt like we needed to do something different. Mm-hmm. And we both had friends who had gone through this program at Landmark called the Landmark Forum. And so we um, separately showed up in the same building <laughs> right. for the same Landmark Forum. And that's where we met. I think she walked in. I probably walked in a few seconds later. As soon as I saw her, I, I pretty much walked over with a friend of mine and started talking to her. And we were friends from that point on. Mm-hmm. So that conversation went well. Pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just became friends. Uh, we both kind of bonded over the fact that neither of us, like we resisted going to this course for many years. I, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. 10. Yeah. I had a friend go to the landmark forum probably 10 years prior and it, it's, it's one of those things where it, it gets sold and sold is the wrong word, but it mm. gets spread basically via network marketing. So they they don't really advertise, but they um, they encourage you to share it with your friends. And so there was kind of uh, it it kind of smelled like religion. It kind of smelled like network marketing. Neither of which I was ever really into, and I you know was pretty much nope for ten years. Yeah. Yeah. So when we went, it I come to find out it was none of those things. And so we bonded over the fact that it wasn't those things. And it was a really good program. Okay. So that's about four years ago. Mm hmm. Yeah. And what you're currently doing, as you said, was Emily and Bill. If you look up Emily and Bill on Instagram and I think on Facebook. Maybe. Um, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We have our individual Facebook pages, okay. but we don't have an Emily and Bill Facebook. It's really Instagram and YouTube where we're focused. And uh, so if you look that up, you can see what's coming out of that project. How do, first tell tell us what this project is and then we'll talk about how it started. 
Yeah. So Emily and Bill is super simple um, on the surface because it is Bill taking pictures of <laughs> Emily, which we both absolutely love. <laughs> yeah. I love taking pictures of Emily and Emily loves having her picture taken. It, it shows in the pictures. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I feel it does too. <laughs> so at, at what point did you decide that this was something that you wanted to share? Um, I think sharing it was pretty natural. I, I know I wanted to share the photos I was taking of, of Emily. Emily wanted to share them too. So that, yeah, that was pretty natural. And then but there was something deeper apparently. Right. What, what, uh, what is the goal? What, what is the deeper part of this? Well, that's, and you know, here we come to the, what I think is so interesting about creative work because what we're really doing is we're going out to create art. My initial intention with taking pictures of Emily, I'd seen pictures of Emily. There were some great pictures of Emily that had been taken over the years. And I wanted to create what I felt was the best picture of her. You know, that, that was like a goal for me. I wanted to shoot the best picture I possibly could of her. And I wanted it to be better than anything that had been done before. Um, and so we, you know, that was kind of what I was setting out to do. Emily was probably just, I don't know. What was it for you? Just yeah, go no. take some great photos. Right. Mm. So, uh, Bill, you're, you're not a fashion photographer by trade. <laughs> oh, not, not, not at all. I, I had started taking photos, underwater photos first. And then I realized I needed to take photos above water and I got a better camera and I realized I didn't know how to use it. And that was probably four or five months ago. <laughs> four or five <laughs> months ago. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You move quickly. <laughs> Thanks. And yeah, I uh, for for Emily's part of this though you you have the background like you understand modeling right yeah to some degree i mean i started like i said modeling and pageants in my teens and have i've done different things ever since uh i just never really focused on a like professional <laughs> professional career of that but i've been involved in modeling and I've done jobs and photo shoots. Yeah. Basically my whole life. <laughs> so how much control do you have over the, uh, artistic direction of the, uh, Emily and Bill photos? Um, it's very equal. That's been an interesting thing because as the project has, uh, evolved, I really wasn't expecting to look at myself so much <laughs> and it's just a very <laughs> confronting um thing when i you know we sit in the after a photo shoot which we do at least twice a week and there are thousands of photos um uh, but luckily bill is really good about whatever photos we put out he wants me to be happy with so that's good yeah that is good yeah, it's half and half for sure. So who's yeah. learning more in this process? 
Oh my gosh. I mean, there's Emily, there's Bill, and then there's Emily and Bill. And I think all three of us are learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Equally. That's the sense I'm getting that this is two people creating a, a partnership to learn, to learn, to tell a story, to right. learn, to take yeah. fashion photo- uh, photographs and to learn, to be uh, a creative team. I'm sorry to put words in your mouth. Yeah, no, that's no, you exactly nailed it. right. And I would just add one thing to that. You know, it's also learning to be in relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which always complicates everything. It does and it doesn't, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It is what it is. It's been, uh, the relationship is amazing. The, the, you know, the, the collaboration with Emily and Bill has been amazing and, and all of it, not without difficulty. And you also, you do videos for YouTube. What kind of videos are those? Well, from from the business side, I do marketing videos and, you know, really, you know, anything from product videos to to whatever needs to be done. Um, really, I started doing videos for the for the ocean conservation work that I do. So we did a big project here in California called the Newport Harbor Underwater Cleanup. And we which ended up being just a really great event, big event this year. We had almost, I don't know, almost 300 volunteers. We've got, um, a great organization called help your Harbor, um, along with project aware, the Balboa Bay club, the city of Newport, Bristol farms, Patagonia, the Surfrider Foundation, just tons of sponsors and great organizations who have come together. And with those volunteers, um, I participated with the company I work with, Beach City Scuba. We have seven shops up and down the coast here in California. And so Beach City's stepped in as a, as a sponsor and to help run the dive side of the underwater cleanup. And we pulled I think 4,200 pounds of trash out of the Newport Harbor in one day. That's both uh, scary for the Newport Harbor and uh, amazing for you. Well, it's just really cool, you know, and we did it with electric boats, um, which is, you know, when you take a look at the whole environmental impact that we have as divers and with boats, there, there's so many aspects to ocean conservation, but Duffy which what a great name for an electric boat, the Duffy electric boat, very popular here in California, especially in Newport Harbor, um, is owned by mayor Duffy mayor of Newport, but they donated the boats for use so that we could do the cleanup in an environmentally friendly way with electric boats. That was fantastic. And this entire event took a tremendous amount of planning, you know, over months. So we, you know, you get together in committees, you know how it is, you get around a conference room table and, um, you, you plan things out. And then we, as divers had to go out and do surveys in the, in the Harbor to find areas where there was trash, just a tremendous amount of preparation that goes into it. So I videoed, I shot video and stills through the entire process. And then at the end of it, I put together a video. So those, though it's tough. And that's where it really, clicked for me 
was that it's telling the story like we did an amazing thing. We pulled 4,200 pounds of trash out. We put, we pulled a lot of different people together to do it. Corporate sponsors, individuals, companies It's just a fantastic event. So now let's tell that story. And as we begun to tell the story, um, the city of Newport has stepped up. They're doing, um, there's been a press release there. Help Your Harbor has just managed to get a, I think it's almost a $2 million project approved where we're putting in a water wheel, which is a trash removal device in Newport Harbor. That's big, big news. Um, it'll, you know, work 24 seven to remove trash from the ocean. Patagonia is probably, um, a very likely sponsor in the future. And they're just companies really, really eager to do their part. There are so many people who are really, really eager to do their part. And when they hear, but you have to be exposed to it. We protect what we know. And so as I teach people to scuba dive, I can instill some ocean conservation in them as I teach them. And as I take scuba divers out to remove trash from the ocean, we can make an impact. But when we tell the story, that's where we make the biggest impact. And I like to think of it kind of in this way, that we, we can't afford to play fair. You know, that idea when you, you know, were a kid and a fair fight was one-on-one, we can't afford to play fair. So it, we, we have to exponentially raise the number of people involved. And the only way to do that is through effective storytelling. So as I started shooting pictures, it was for ocean conservation. As I shot video, it was for ocean conservation. And then when I got together with Emily, I just straight up wanted to take pictures of Emily. (laughs) But I also realized that I had an opportunity because I was so excited to take pictures of Emily and excited. She was excited for it too. And we both wanted to create YouTube videos. I saw it as just what a great opportunity to learn how to tell a story what a great opportunity to get better at my craft so that I can take this back to ocean conservation and make a real impact for the planet. Yeah. So what are the, how, how did this apply then to the Emily and Bill YouTube account? What, what uh, stories are you telling? So many ways. Well, number one, that's a, that is such a great question. Um, and I think on the surface, we're telling initially telling the story of, you know, a simple photo shoot, what it takes to get ready for it, um, the journey to the location, what it's like to shoot these photos, how we pick the locations, how we choose the poses, what we're looking for with the light. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a whole surface story there. Yeah. And then also, as we're discovering, you know, there's a, a story that runs underneath as well. Many, you know, a number of stories that run underneath. And so learning how to tell a surface story, I think that's one level. Like, here's the photo shoot. Here's how we did it. Here's how we shot the photo. And then learning to dig beneath that to look for, you know, the deeper meaning, the deeper stories and tell those stories as well. The what and why, perhaps? 
Yeah, well, there's been um, kind of around the YouTube sphere, if that's a thing. I there's believe been, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's been talk of this thing behind the thing. The thing under the thing. Or the thing under the thing. And it, it, you, can, you can Google that, and there are a number of different people who have talked about it recently. Um, and I wish I could rem- – I think – Famous YouTuber Peter McKinnon has talked about it. Um, there's a guy named Sean Cannell who's talked about it. A number of different, um, but I think it's Javier Mendez who um, is where I found it. And hopefully I can provide a link to that video where I first heard about the thing under the thing. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful storytelling. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a way of articulating what the story could be that really kind of makes sense. And it's the thing under the thing looking for the thing under the thing. So it's not, it's not necessarily the photo shoot. That's the real story. There's something running under that photo shoot. Yeah. All right. Many running under the photo shoot that, yeah. And so that's creative work, you know, I mean, this is the, for me, this is what, makes shooting photos of Emily even more interesting and, and exciting is as we dig in um, and find the stories under the story. Cause our relationship runs in that story. Sure. All right. Among- so um, I know uh, Emily's a big iPhone user. Uh, where does, where does iPhone fit into uh, Emily and Bill? Hmm. Are you shooting with the iPhone at all? We do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where it really starts is the iPhone is the device where most of our content is going to get consumed. Okay. Mobile devices, right? Yeah. That's where they're, you know, that's where people are looking at the photos we put up on Instagram and many people are watching the YouTube videos on their iPhone or Android or People use Android, right? I assume. <laughs> I'm vaguely aware. Um, but it's consumed on the mobile device. Now, uh, a lot of the video we shoot ends up being shot on the iPhone. And that is because it's really your most accessible place for 4K video. Sure. If you want to shoot 4K video at you know, a decent frame rate, the iPhone is, I mean, it's an amazing camera right in your pocket. It doesn't deal great with way too much light or not enough light. So there's kind of a narrow window that it operates really well in where you've got just the right amount of light. But with the right amount of light, the iPhone is an absolutely incredible camera. Yeah. I did a couple of videos for a, uh, a yoga studio over the last couple of weeks, and I was really impressed with how easy it was to shoot and edit footage with the iPhone. I didn't feel I needed any other camera for that. Yeah, you don't. I, and what, what we've done to add to the iPhone um, is we've added a wide-angle lens, and we've also added... Um, a th- 
there's an item called the beast grip, which is, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's, it's something that you can put your iPhone into that kind of gives you handles and places where you can mount microphones and yeah. lights. And then, um, we've also got a gimbal which stabilizes the iPhone. So we can put the iPhone into the gimbal and then get very, very smooth, non-shaky footage in addition to using that wide-angle lens. And so it's it's almost impossible to tell that it was actually shot on an iPhone. Uh, what uh, brand is your lens? Um, we're currently using a lens from a company called Sandmark, S-A-N-D-M-A-R-C, I believe. And it's just their wide angle for the iPhone. And which gimbal? We use the Zhiyun Smooth 4. And it is absolutely fantastic. It's a, it's a great gimbal. I think the battery lasts 15 hours. I've never run up against um, you know, running out of battery. It also... Um, I've had to, I've had to construct a small counterweight to deal with the wide angle lens that I've got on there. Sure. And so it's the wide angle lens weighs approximately 72 grams. So I went to the hardware store and, you know, just kind of pieced together a counterweight, which I've got, um, attached to the, to the gimbal itself. And it works really well. Nice. Very MacGyver. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep, I am definitely the uh, the the technology and 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 gearhead side of the Emily and Bill. <laughs> All right. So before we move on to the top three picks, is there anything you want to add to the uh, the story here? Yeah. What is what? Um, I guess I would ask on the. Um, yeah, I, you know, really the most interesting part of Emily and Bill, other than shooting photos of, of Emily, is is creative work and working with a creative partner. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it the experience of working with a creative partner is, um, I like control. I like, I like control over, you know, everything I can get control over. And so when you're working with a creative partner, you have to give up control. And so that's been a really interesting experience, um, on, on kind of on my end. Is it a positive experience? It is. Um, you know, I, I don't think creative projects really go I, I I don't know if this is true or not, but it seems to me that that two people coming together in a creative project, you can create things that just weren't possible for that one person to create. And with Emily and Bill, the stuff that we create, that that would be impossible to do by myself, right? I mean, I could go out and I could find models. I could, you know, it's easy enough to find a model to go out and shoot and I could find multiple models per week to go out and shoot, but that's a completely different project. And, and what's happened with 
Emily and Bill, as we've gone out to, to go do these photo shoots is, you know, we're doing this on a, on a, I wouldn't say daily basis, but you know, multiple times per week, we're going out and we're doing these photo shoots. And so I'm directing Emily and Emily's directing me and we're coming up with something completely new, you know, as a result. And I don't think that would happen at all if I were just going out and looking for a new model every week to go shoot. Yeah. They would listen to what I had to say and they would do what I asked them to do and I would take the photos ex- exactly as I wanted to, right? Yeah. But that's not the way Emily and Bill works at all. <laughs> Giving up control can definitely be uh, a a building experience if 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 two people can collaborate instead of giving up control to someone else who just wants control is you lose then but if you can give up control and actually collaborate you can build something like you said uh that you could not have built on your own mm-hmm. i can appreciate that mm-hmm. well and i don't think it would have been possible um you know, Emily and I have known each other for four years and we met under circumstances where we just became great friends and we'd spend a lot of time on the phone together. And if I had something going on, I needed help with advice, you know, something difficult in life or whatever, I would call Emily, maybe text her and say, Hey, do you have time to talk today? I'm having a tough day. And you know, that would go back and forth. Right. And so I'm in a creative partnership and a romantic relationship with Emily. But this is somebody that I've grown to respect a great deal over the last four years. Um, Someone who I respect. And so when she doesn't want to be shot a certain way and lets me know, I mean, it's just a completely different relationship. Um, Then I, I, I don't know that I would be able to, really collaborate on a really high level with somebody else without this additional background of just having a relationship that's run for four years where you, you've got somebody you really respect. It creates a, a, a more even partnership, I guess. I don't even know how to explain it, but there's something there. There's a, this is the thing under the thing partially for me, I think in this, in this creative thing called Emily and Bill. Emily, anything to add to that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, you're so talkative. I'm going to have to edit part I, of it out. I know, I know. I never shut up. <laughs> when I want to say something, I don't have a problem saying it, but <laughs> I'm a woman of few words. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah, I mean it does depend on it does depend on the day. <laughs> That's true for everyone. It is. But we have done some recent episodes where we're going more into Emily's world. Um we've started work on we've shot the video at least. Okay. It hasn't been edited. But we're we're kind of taking the we're taking the show into Emily's um into Emily's world, into the salon and looking more at what it takes for her to get ready for the photo shoot. Um, and probably 
I can see in the future Emily being a little bit more involved on the on the video editing side. Uh, she's already involved on the on the photo editing side, which I mean, it takes so much time. I, I don't know how many photos we've actually shot, but we typically come back with like eight hundred to a thousand photos from a photo shoot. That is a lot of photos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep, and we sit down and we edit it together. So, yeah. Okay, quick sponsor break. This episode of Systematic is brought to you by PDF Pen. PDF Pen is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs. Using PDF Pen, you can go paperless with scanning and OCR, mark up and highlight PDFs, search and redact sensitive info such as account numbers, correct text in PDFs without the originals, insert, remove, and reorder pages, move and adjust images, and record and playback audio annotations. Or grab PDF Pen Pro to do even more, such as create fillable PDF forms even automatically, create and edit table of contents, convert websites into PDFs, and add and edit document permissions. If you want to get the most from your PDFs, learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com podcast. A big thanks to Smile and PDF Pen for their continued support of Systematic. Are you guys ready for the top three picks? We are. All right. So this goes back and forth one at a time, and it starts with you. Okay. So do we get to pick something for you to talk about? No. You pick something, <laughs> and then we talk about it. I was just kidding. Um, oh, I see where you were going with that. That was sneaky. I know. I was trying to sneak it in. Um, so probably there, there are two things that I would – love to talk about but they're they're related but you get one right well people often sneak in sub picks and i don't say anything okay let's sneak in a sub pick so this week a big thing for us has been blender wine what and (laughs) in addition to blender wine there's actually a great uh ios app they might make an android app but there's a great app for uh for helping you pick wine as well called Vivino. And we just did a video on this because I don't know, we think blender wine's like one of the coolest things ever. So yeah, blender wine. What is blender wine? Well, have you, are you, are you a wine aficionado on some level? I I have been at points in my life. Yes. All right. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, my experience with wine is I'll know a little bit about certain types of wine and I'll, maybe I'll start drinking a Zinfandel and I'll go into Zinfandels for a little while or something like that. Or, I mean, who even knew Zinfandels were red? Uh, or I did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> That's good. Big but wine. I don't know much about wine, you know? There's so much to know about wine. Typically, um, but if you drink it every night, it also gets pretty expensive. You know, you spend 20 or 30 bucks a night on wine pretty easily. Sure. And then the rehab is crazy if your insurance doesn't cover it. Rehab. <laughs> rehab. Yeah, we don't talk about rehab. <laughs> um, so, yeah, blender wine is, uh, I don't know if you've ever decanted wine uh, and red wine specifically. Yeah. So the idea is that um, a lot of red wine 
you can improve the flavor by giving the wine access to oxygen. Right. And it basically can off-gas some of what's in the wine, and you end up with a better-tasting wine. Right. You don't have to decant every single wine on the planet, but as it turns out, the um, probably when you start looking at the at the less expensive wines, they benefit maybe even the most from decanting. But who's got time to decant wine, Brett? I, I, we'll, we'll assume for the sake of argument that nobody does. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've got to pour it into a, in, into a decanter, and then it needs to sit there for 30 minutes to an hour. I know, it's a chore. You know, sometimes you want to drink the wine faster than that. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So here, you know, enters blender wine. And basically the idea is a rapid decanting, if you will. And so you, you take your bottle of wine and you dump it into a blender and you turn the blender on for about 20 to 30 seconds and it changes the taste. Uh, it, it opens the wine up in a major way and do a blind taste test. I expect that you're going to try this out and you're going to report back to us about how effective the tip is. And we've got a video up on YouTube. <laughs> It sounds violent. It is. Violent and decanting. In the best <laughs> in the best of ways. But it works. Very effective. Right. So do a blind taste test. Pour a little wine into a glass before you do it. Throw the rest in the blender. Turn it on. Open that wine up rapidly. And then uh, you can get down to enjoying it. But accompanying the blender wine is there's a great app called Vivino. So since I don't know that much about wine, it's really nice to be able to um, use an app that can – what you do is you take a picture of the label of the wine, and it comes back and it gives you a rating. Oh, wow. And so very quickly you can go through some you know available choices and kind of arrive at the highest rating for the lowest price while you're there in the store. Do you know where it's getting these ratings from? You know, I think they pull from a number of different sources. Okay. But if you go to, yeah, they've got more information up on Vivino.com. It, you are, you know, you're, you're basically trusting that they're aggregating good data. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Well, I mean, you're, you're about to aggregate your own data in this case. So you can verify. Well, it, it's a lot like Waze. It's a lot like the iOS app that came along uh, didn't Waze get purchased, by the way? Yeah, I thought so. Didn't Google buy Waze? They they might have, but did you ever use Waze early on, like seven, eight? No. Go. It was horrific. I I got stuck on the freeway doing circles a couple of times, but now it's probably the best app out there. That's what I. So, hear. in general, our luck with Vivino has been yeah, good, really good. I really like this on the website. They have each wine has a colored background that seems to relate to the uh, color of the wine with neat little animations when you scroll over them. That's well done. Although what it's, does blue mean? I don't think they actually relate to the color of the wine because there's tans on Zinfandels and Tanats. There's a yeah, white I, Pinot. <laughs> I, I have to give them. I have to give them pretty high marks. The 
the app itself works works really well. Um, it returns results usually really mm-hmm. quickly, and so far we've you know agreed. Yeah, it's been pretty accurate. All right. Yeah. So what you do is you spend the least amount of money for the highest rating, and then you throw it in the blender. <laughs> the best. And that's how you make cheap wine taste expensive. <laughs> it actually makes a big difference. So that's blender wine. All right. All right. With a sub pick. With a so sub pick. I'm going to see your blender and raise you a vacuum. Oh, wow. I have waited years since Dyson's V series first came out. I have, I'm not a vacuum guy. It's not like I spend a lot of time thinking about vacuum cleaners, but from the first time I saw, I think probably the V seven, I thought that's the answer to vacuums. I I want one of those, but they cost over 400, $500. Um, and so I had always put it off because like I said, vacuums aren't that important to me. But I finally found a refurb deal on a V8, and I got it, and I have been in vacuuming heaven. I actually vacuum daily now. <laughs> so it's, it's a bagless, cordless, animal hair-friendly vacuum with, uh, with like a, an upholstery attachment, and it just clips to the wall. You pop it off, you vacuum, and you clip it back to the wall. No uh, uh, cords, no bags, no nothing. I, it's the first vacuum I've ever truly felt love for. Oh well, yeah, we have that in common. Yeah, I use um, I use a vacuum every day too. Oh, I bet. <laughs> well, no, no. Listen to scare my cats. Oh wow! Oh my god! My cat tries to get into the bedroom, and I have to, you know, lock him out. And so when he starts scratching on the door, I have a remote control uh, plug-in switch connected to the vacuum cleaner. So when they start scratching on the door, I hit the remote and the vacuum cleaner goes off and they go scurrying away. That is ridiculous. (laughs) I thought this was going to be a story about owning a salon and the amount of hair you'd have to clean up. Well, there's there's a remote control cat frightening vacuum is amazing it's, it's a very expensive uh cat scare away yep scare a, a training yeah. tool we'll call it training tool perfect it does they don't seem to be trained at all <laughs> it doesn't seem but they they will definitely it gives you about what do you think 30 minutes yeah yeah you get It'll a 30 minute reprieve <laughs> for each <laughs> yeah and uh and and what brand is this vacuum cleaner emily that's a good question. I feel like it's a is it a shark? I don't I I think it is a shark. I have yeah, a I have a, a Dyson. Yeah, it's a shark. I had a Dyson before in Denver. I I do love the Dyson. I think you've made a great pick. <laughs> Dyson has a blow dryer. Really? Know oh, about that? That that doesn't surprise me, but no, I didn't know that. It's very expensive. It's like a six hundred dollar blow dryer. And they just came out with some curling iron too that curls the hair as it blows Blows the hair. I don't know. I Dyson's uh, product design has always, uh, they make amazing stuff. And they, I mean, Shark actually, I think it was Shark or Hoover. Someone actually had to like stop making one of their vacuums because it, it was easily traceable back to a Dyson patent. Like they always have 
the coolest innovations. Yeah. Like the guy started out inventing, what was it? Uh, a wheelbarrow. <laughs> he had a wheelbarrow that ran off a ball instead of a wheel. So it liked the, the Dyson ball, except mm -hmm. for carting stuff around. Really? Is that, that's the origin? Of I don't know if that's his very first thing at all, but it wow, was one of the early it. designs. Yeah. Well, I've always wanted one of the fans, the, you know, the, mm -hmm. what, what do they call the cyclones? Um, yeah. Their fans and heaters are just amazing. It's yeah. their design is just incredible, but, um, I wish they would. I wish Dyson would jump into this this whole iRobot category of vacuums. I feel have like ever, there's a good reason they haven't. Be, I, 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 have you ever owned like a Roomba I, or? I have a Roomba. I've never found the ones that I've tried to be very effective vacuum cleaners. And maybe Dyson could do it really well. And maybe mm -hmm. Roombas have gotten better since I've tried them. I think they have. I always feel it's bad about scaring my cat. cats. Yeah, they get used to it. Do you have cats? Yes. Oh. And a small dog. And a small dog. And that nice. dog would probably not. I, I use my robotic vacuum cleaner downstairs where my office and whatnot are. But I wouldn't set it loose upstairs where the dog would probably just run around barking at it. And the cats would just hide. But I haven't tried it either, so who knows? Well, you know, you've got a couple of things to try now. You've got the uh, remote cat frightening device to set up. It sounds like his cats are good. Pretty well behaved. Yeah, you have well behaved cats. These I are basically do. feral. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure between the blender and the roving vacuum cleaner, my cats are going to be less well behaved. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, I I just feel like there's a there's a there's a spot for Dyson to step in and make a better make a better Roomba. I hope I, they I'm, do eventually, but I hope they do it right. Yeah, one that doesn't eat cords. <laughs> it sucks everything up. That's sure for does. sure. <laughs> All right. So, what's your second pick? Oh man, I you know I want to I want to talk about the the new Apple releases that we just saw hit. Really, you're going to make all the releases your pick? No, but I do think that um, really the iPad, the iPad Pro hmm. is what I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Because according to Apple, it's like a computer unlike any computer. Huh. So have, have you and used a Surface 2, just out of curiosity? You know, I've been, no, I haven't. And I've, I've actually been really interested to because um, there's some software that runs on the Surface 2 uh, that, that works better on the Surface, that doesn't even run on the, um, on, uh, yeah, because it's, the, here, and here's the difference. I mean, with the Surface, you actually have a computer that runs the software that your desktop would. Right. I've just heard such good things about the Surface. I, I was hoping to like have someone actually compare them for me. But what 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 are you most excited about with the latest updates for the iPad Pro? Well, I, I think it's what I, I'm probably excited about seeing how well Lightroom 
Adobe's products have evolved. And so I guess my big complaint with the iPad is that I can't run most of the software that I use on a daily basis on my Mac. I can't run that on my uh, iPad very effectively. And that's not... Is there currently a Lightroom for iOS? There is now. So with the... um, Adobe just released a new... a, a big update. And... Lightroom, Lightroom CC now runs on iOS devices, and it's supposed to run. It's it, it's basically supposed to be the full version. But you so haven't you, you haven't photos. seen it yet. Well, I'm just it literally just came out, so we're you know I'm going to try it out on my on my iPad. Um, but I guess this is kind of where I'm. I see a gap for for Apple. As much as I have always believed in the iPhone and as much as I love Macs, I mean, I couldn't imagine working on another platform, not even Linux. Um, and I, I, I always find it strange when developers tell me they work on Windows. I don't even know how they do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. So Apple and the Mac, one of the best platforms ever uh, ever released, but... The iPad itself, I just, I, I honestly can't see where they can take it other than the direction of the Surface Pro. Which I personally am not, it's, I don't want to see a fusion between Macs and iOS devices. Uh, I yeah. feel like it makes the Mac worse. I'm, I'm a Mac fan. Oh, without a doubt. I was excited about the Mac Minis. I did yeah, I did Mac not Mini. expect that. Massive power increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a couple grand, you can build a basically what would have been a Mac Pro just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, but the MacBook Air kind of falls into that same strange category that the the iPad does in a way. Yeah, because ultimately a cut down version, and I, I just have never found a way to make the iPad really an effective tool. And I've I've tried. I mean, I've used terminal programs so that I could do, you know, remote work, in you know command line work and things like that from the iPad, but it's always been this you know, uncomfortable marriage. Right. Where it feels like a, a compromise. Like you could just be at a computer doing the same things and faster. That's how it's been for me. Exactly. Yeah. So the innovation that I see in the iPad pro where you can charge the pencil now in a different way. Yeah. I, I just don't see that as a great leap forward, but I think you're right. The, the Mac mini, um, probably the biggest news out of the bunch yeah i'm excited are you um, gonna are you gonna build a new uh are you gonna are you gonna build a system based on the mac mini i want to my current my like my home server currently runs off an older mac mini and i've often wished that i could just make the mac mini my main computer but it wasn't powerful enough to do what i needed to do so yeah i'm i'm excited about the prospect of turning this Thunderbolt display into a, a Mac mini 
based iMac instead of hooking up to my MacBook Pro. Do you so you've got just the you've got they they don't even make the Thunderbolt nope. display. <laughs> nope. This one this one uh is gonna take, you know, some adapters to work with the USB C on the Mac Mini, but Yeah. I like yeah. this display a lot. Twenty seven inch. It's not retina, but it works. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great display. So I as much as I travel, though, I feel like I'm always going to be stuck with a MacBook Pro, which is a great, it's a great machine. Yeah, no complaints, but I'd no. rather, I'd rather travel with an Air myself. I, the MacBook Air has been my favorite computer in history. Uh, nothing was more pleasurable to use. It lacked the power I needed. But as far as just like form factor and usability, my first MacBook Air is still to this day my favorite computer. The form factor is fantastic, um, but I need every bit of CPU I can get my hands on to edit video. Yeah, I I totally makes sense. And you know the powerhouse, the the I, I'm you know I'm based on based on what you said. I'm going to dig a little bit more into the into the Mac mini, but the powerhouse at the right price point has been the iMac for a long time. Yeah. I was talking to my rabbi friend this morning and he was very upset that there was not an iMac refresh at the same time. And I was espousing the mini, but he, he, he just wants the, the iMac. Well, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what was his knock uh, on the mini, cause it sounds like you're a proponent and it's, it, it's really just that the mini has always been the most underrated part of the Mac product line and no one really gives it consideration. He didn't have a specific reason to not consider it. He just hadn't considered it. Nobody considers yeah, the they mini. Do. They just released. Um, so basically it's six core now. Mm-hmm. Six core i7, 3.2 gigahertz. Yeah, there's a 3.0 and a 3.2, and you can put up to 64 gigabytes of RAM in it. You, uh, you can get it stock with a three ter- two terabyte SSD drive. And I don't know what more you would really need out of a machine. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, and and that's. That is that's ba- that that is basically uh, you're you're looking at the kind of power you would have gotten out of a Mac Pro, right? So yeah, no, I th- I think you're I think you're spot on. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, you know, I think about this all the time because I constantly struggle waiting for video to render, and you know that 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 would be my. Um, my biggest complaint in the mobile line is just getting access to something that so that I get maximum CPU power out of. Get three or four Mac minis, stack them up, build a little server farm out of it, and then use compressor to distribute the renders across all four. Well, I'm yeah, just I saying. Mean, <laughs> if you want to put a, a, a twenty, thirty thousand dollars into it, you could really speed things up. <laughs> <laughs> Tax write off. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. All Thanks right. Thanks for punctuating that. Yeah. So, my my second pick 
I, I don't, do you go to live shows much? Um, not as much, not as much recently. Me either. But when I do, <laughs> I'm at an age where I am very conscious about earplugs. And I finally found this, uh, they're called dubs, noise canceling music earplugs. And for, I think about 20 bucks. Yeah. 20 bucks. They give you, there's like a perforated, uh, shell on it that lets most frequencies of sound in th just fine. So I can go to a show and it sounds like I'm listening without earplugs in but at a volume that my 40-year-old ears can more readily appreciate. You know, you make a great point. <laughs> and it's really, uh, there's a company that I've used for years, Edematic Research. Yeah. I don't know. Have you taken a look at their uh, their hearing protection line? It's, it's basically the same thing. It, what they do is in a... They, they leave you with the clarity that you want so you can listen to music and really enjoy it. But they knock, I think, 20 decibels right off the top. So, If um, I recall correctly, their uh, earplugs ear are a bit more expensive, though. Oh, I suppose. It looks like they have everything ranging from $20 up to uh, $300. Yeah, you can you – can, uh, apparently, you can uh, – <laughs> high-fidelity – earplugs <laughs> yeah. are a thing but yeah. you can you can get into their um i think they're called the ety plugs high fidelity earplugs they're like 13.95 okay um, i i just found the high fidelity earplugs er20xs for 20 bucks mm -hmm. i should try these they're 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 amazing um and I also have never found better uh, ear, just you know, listening earphones to use with my eye devices. They, I, I use the ones where it's got a foam tip, so it actually goes inside your ear. Yeah. And some people are uncomfortable with that. I Other need that. It, it's unbelievable. You can sit on a plane next to a screaming baby. And not hear a thing. Nice. Except the music. So I'm a I'm a big fan of Edematic Research products. Add them to the show notes. What is your <laughs> third pick? Oh, the third pick. You know, let's talk about the iPhone XS. Or or 10s for anyone, you know, who, who goes for the alternate pronunciation. In Vegas, they certainly call it the iPhone XS. <laughs> it's got everything and more. So yeah, uh, on 10s. Is that one of you just got? How how recently did you get a 10s? Two months ago. Was it, has it been two months? No, a month ago. A month ago, you got the yeah. 10s. So you've months. had a, a good four weeks with the 10s. What do you love about it? Mm. Everything. Uh, port <laughs> portrait mode. <laughs> is better, yeah. Better portrait. than on my 10? It is. Well. Yeah, they they gave you 
increased control over fake aperture. So your depth of field you yeah. can adjust after taking the photo. Yeah, I saw that in the keynote. It did look tempting. You know, the other thing is the um, when you initially look at the video or photos that you shoot, they tend to look as if they've been shot on a flatter profile. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look quite as warm, but they're easier to color correct and color grade afterwards. So I don't know that that's a plus for the consumer, but it's certainly a plus for a professional who's trying to get everything they can out of their iDevice. Sure. All right. Yeah. The, so the video quality is the video quality and the, the camera is definitely a slight step up. Yeah, that was the if anything was going to sway me to go out and get a new phone right now, it was the camera. But then I saw all of these. Uh, you have the 10. I have the 10. I saw complaints about the, uh, I guess, color range on the newer cameras, and it was more related to, or was it the light range? I think it was light range. It was more mm-hmm. related to the, uh, like, uh, what the artificial intelligent, artificially intelligent processing that it's doing than it was about the lenses. Have you seen anything? Well, what I did see about the light range is it actually handles, the, the iPhone XS handles a, a wider light range better. So you can take a photo and not have areas of the photo blown out. When you get too much light, it can, it can overexpose. Right. And so the, the iPhone XS does handle uh, its exposure better. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, that, that, was a big, that was a big plus. But I'd gone back and looked through some of the systematic uh, podcasts just to familiarize myself. And there was one that you did with Merlin Mann a long time. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if hero is the right word, but I've certainly paid attention to what Merlin Mann does over the years. I'm not familiar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's one of my favorites as well. I know, right? Um, and, and I think you two were talking about face detection. It's probably happened. And I have to tell you, face detection, when they moved from the fingerprint to face, that was one that that was just one of the happiest moments of my life. Maybe not, but it was up in the top ten. Why? Oh, well, as a scuba diving instructor, my fingerprint never worked because my hands are almost always wet. Oh, this is going to tie in so well to my next pick. <laughs> Fire away. Um, so, and, and this will be super useful to use you guys, but uh, they're called Moshi Digits. And Ooh. they are, they're wool gloves with touchscreen capability. And uh, they, they're, a tight enough fit that you can actually type with these gloves on. Uh, also, I was kidding about these being useful to you. Um, <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, now. We're on the website. <laughs> they're two ply. They're warm enough that you can wear them without a shell, but you can still type with them on. The one thing you can't do is fingerprint ID, which does make 
now that I can add like a secondary profile uh, face detection with like a scarf on, mm. I can I can use my iPhone while I'm snow plowing, which mm. is it's a great thing. I mean, mostly I'm just snow plow changing songs, but what? Right. Yeah. So you're, I, I have to say that they could be useful here, the Moshi, Moshi digits, because in California, when it does dip below, say, 69 degrees, the puffy jackets come out. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. So gloves are a thing here, believe it or These not. These would be about the right, right weight for like the 50 to 60 range. Yeah. For Cal- if California ever got down to 50 or 60 degrees, I guess it might at night. I, it, I know it does in San Francisco. January? Well, we are going to Santa Claus, Indiana for Christmas. So <laughs> there you go. There. <laughs> if it gets down to about eight, um, I'll need to wear these with uh, a windproof shell on them. But I'll still be able to pull my hand out and touch and like use my touch screen without actually having to get down to my bare hands. So I'm excited. So the Moshi, it's a good, it's a good pick. It is. All right. Well, that's three and three. We've come to the end. Where can people find, let's list all the places people can find you guys. So I'd say the, the uh, primary place that we can be found is on Instagram. And it's Instagram.com forward slash Emily and Bill. And then we are also on YouTube. We don't we don't currently have enough followers to get our custom vanity URL. <laughs> we're working on it. So we're working working on it. But we do have um, we do have uh, our own domain name, which is emilyandbill.org. So you can go to link dot emilyandbill.org forward slash YouTube. And then I'll just throw in that you're at Bill Carroll with two L's, two R's, and two L's. And then Emily is at Studio Orange Salon. Correct. Anywhere else you want to mention? I'll be linking uh, like the Newport Harbor cleanup, some of the uh, ocean conservation projects. Um is there a, a salon link you want me to include? I think Studio Orange Salon is is probably a, a great mm-hmm. link there. And we have links in our bios as well. The other organization that I would mention for those who are really interested in ocean conservation um, would be Project Aware. And Project Aware is a nonprofit that was spun off by Patty, the Professional Association of Diving Instructors, probably 18 years ago. But Project Aware is a is a global nonprofit working for ocean conservation, and um, they're I, and I work closely with them uh, as well. So I definitely want to give them a shout out. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, thank Brett. Nice fun. to meet you. Nice to meet you. It's a fun story to tell. Yeah, many, many more stories to come. Hit that blender wine. Oh, yeah. See, thing is, and I didn't say it yet, but I actually stopped drinking in July. So I'm not going to be able to test this 
<laughs> well, but I good. can appreciate the idea. Got it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. And, you know, I respect that choice. And, you know, for the rest of the people out there who uh, are still drinking cheap wine <laughs> on a regular basis, blender wine is the answer. So there's a lot of really good cheap wine. And I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty to experiment with cool. in a blender. Um, oh, and I, I have a, a Nutribullet, too. I bet it would have been perfect. Mm. By the glass. <laughs> blender wine by the glass. Uh, <laughs> we use a Vitamix. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, Bill and Emily. And we'll see everybody in a week. Thanks, Brett. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of Systematic. You can find me at brettterpstra.com and as TT Scoff on every platform, including Facebook, Twitter, GitHub, Last.fm, and probably a bunch you've never heard of. Just search for TTSCOFF. You can also find Systematic on Twitter, so to tweet at me and my guest, and for updates and announcements, follow Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T. If you're loving Systematic, don't forget to go leave an inspiring iTunes review. Thanks for listening. <laughs>